following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Are you ready for a break? Uh, Yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Wednesday, January 12th, 2022, season 17, episode number 96. Welcome to the latest edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. We just finished up the uh, daily press conference with Mike McCarthy. We'll get to that in just a second. There's one thing I thought that came out of that that was pretty interesting. going to have Dave kind of give us a recap on that. Uh, Nick, let's get started with the 96. You gave me a 96 real quick. Daniel Stubbs. Daniel Stubbs. Don't know who he is. You want to tell me who he is? Uh, he played in the 90, early 90s. He was a Miami guy, moved over. But more than anything, that Coppell Deli that all the players would go to. I miss that place. He did, the, the Stubbs was because of those Stubbs breakfast sandwiches that they still yeah. have is because of Daniel Stubbs. So, Got it. So he, it's one of the best things I've ever eaten in yeah, my life. So, yeah. so he, I, I he, he contributed. Heart attack waiting to happen. There's really? no doubt. Is, yeah. Yeah. They still have that. And Nate Newton it probably you know ate a few. You this still big, go over there every once in a while? I don't really. I used to live over there, but no, I, I don't. But yeah, they they still bring them in sometimes. Yeah. Uh, day three of the draft. Day, no, Is that your thing? No, it's not my thing. Oh, okay. It's Rich Dalrymple's yeah, thing. He it. he's the head of Cowboys PR. He's yeah. been here forever. I was actually watching uh, Jimmy's speech after the 92 the how about them cowboys speech after they beat the niners and like rich is in the background looking much younger um <laughs> but uh, day three of the draft he goes and gets stub sandwiches for like everybody in football ops and that's pretty uh, awesome yeah Stubbs. he and then you know at some point we might get included in well he he always used like and, and like rich can be kind of surly i yeah. think he would agree with that yeah. i'm not he's a pittsburgh guy. not talking trash yeah uh but even, you know, Brian left personnel years and years ago, and Rich would still always buy him one. Like, when, so we'd be doing the draft on yeah. Saturday, and Brian would have a stubs that Rich picked up for him. And I just, awesome. I, I, th- I always thought that was a really cool gesture. Yeah. Uh, but it's, man, it's good. If you're ever in town, you yeah. should go get I one. I do miss those. Uh, all right, let's jump in. Let's uh, first give me an update on all the guys that missed this last week's game. You got Micah Parsons, Tyron Smith, Anthony Brown, J. Ron Curse, Trayvon Diggs, Tony Pollard. Where are we with all those guys <laughs> in returning to practice? Everybody but J. Ron Curse is up and ready to go. Awesome. Uh, Micah and Tyron came off the COVID list today. A.B. came off earlier this week. I don't remember the exact day, but he's been back. Um, yeah, I mean, J. Ron was the last guy to test positive, so it makes sense that he's the last guy still in the protocol. Lunda Wells, the tight ends coach, is testing right now. Um, but other than that, yeah, uh, J. Ron is the only player that I would imagine won't be available today. And you're, are you at all concerned about J. Ron just because he was already dealing with an injury and then he got COVID, which means that he hasn't been rehabbing with them? Uh, are you a bit concerned about that and where that stands? He was limited too. I mean, he was limited with hamstring, which is that's a good sign. I mean, that, that he could have just been shut down. So I think he was relatively close, anyways. Um, I would, I just, I think he's going to play. I, I, just, I don't know. I don't have any other reason to think that he, he won't. I think that he's going to play. I think a lot of these guys will, will play. All right. Um, there was one other. We're all in now. We're putting all our chips in now. Yeah, we are. That's it. Doesn't matter if you're hurt. Doesn't matter if you got COVID. You're all in. All, they have all kinds of shots. You watch these <laughs> watch these COVID cases here in the playoffs. They're going to go down. You think? <laughs> no, no, no. I, you know, I actually think I think, oh, yeah. I think I think I think COVID cases will go up on Mondays. 
and then they will be down by the weekend. Yeah, that's, a good point. <laughs> that's how it tends. We'll tend to go. That'll be Perhaps. the ebb and flow. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right, um, Dave. I, I want to get your impressions of something. You were you were in that press conference, or at least listen to that press conference. Uh, Mike McCarthy was asked a question about Greg Zerline. He was asked about what gives him faith at this point in a guy like Greg, knowing that he's having the struggles he's having, and and even more than that, what experiences he has that he may lean on to help him figure out how he manages this kind of situation. What did he say? Yeah, uh, he said a lot. I, I mean, he probably talked for six minutes. It was a good question by Jory Epstein, mm-hmm. uh, especially the part about calling on his experience, because as long as Mike McCarthy's been a head coach, you would guess he's probably gone through a kicker or punter or two. And um, obviously, Mason Crosby's been the kicker in Green Bay forever. He talked about that, of like working with Crosby through his struggles. The thing that really stuck out to me was the part about John Ryan, mm-hmm. who I, to be honest, ne- I never knew he played for Green Bay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Mike McCarthy talked about how they kind of got an itchy trigger finger with him, and they cut him. Um, and, and he said probably too soon, and he goes on and catches on with the Seahawks and had a fantastic career there. And it was just kind of – it's an interesting answer if you want to go listen to the whole thing in full context. But just kind of talking about following the process, uh, like the, the process of the whole week, the way the guy practices, the way the guy approaches it, um, and just being true to that and, and not being too reactionary um, in terms of like whether or not you yank a guy or cut a guy or whatever. All that being said, do you guys, and we, we heard uh, him talk about it, we've heard Fossil talk about it, do you think that that's a lot of lip service from the standpoint of them saying that they're completely and totally, um, I guess, what's the right word, confident still in Greg? Or do you think there is some, in some aspects, some creep that's, that I mean, some uh, some doubt that maybe has crept into their minds and is going to affect how they call the game? Yeah, I think it has to affect them a little bit. I mean, um, you know, but... But that may not be a bad thing, too. I mean, what kicks are we talking about? Not a 39-yarder, not a 46-yarder. It's going to be 54, 53 in the second quarter. Do we want that? Do we want the field position if he misses? You know, because so – I think I think that kind of stuff maybe if he was locked in kicking great you wouldn't even worry about it you would say he's going to hit this 54 yarder and whatever and that's three more points so I th- I think a little bit but but not to the point where you're going for two or you're you're not going you're not kicking field goals when you probably should you know this is going to be one of those games where it's probably low scoring so you got to get your three points. Um, you know, I think. Well, when you say that, though, when you say you don't think it'll affect maybe them going for two, that seems to be the area where at least it's the area we're all focused on mm-hmm. because the, of the missed extra points. Right. You don't think that that affects their their thought process when they get in those situations of maybe we should go for two here because maybe we just don't trust the the extra point as much as we trust. If if our offense seems to be flowing, maybe two yards the, to get two points what's might the two be better. Point, what's the two-point conversion uh, rate for, for the team, for the league? It's probably 50%. 40, 50, yeah. 60? Maybe a little higher for some people. Maybe, and I don't know what it is for the Cowboys. They yeah. seem like they're okay there. but uh, I don't even know how many times they've done it. Not a lot, but yeah. I bet it's not 88%. Yeah. I, mean, I'm, I mean, I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just saying. I mean, it, I get your point, but, though. But, when you think about percentage-wise. But, then, but yeah. then you also have to weigh this in, too. Dallas what? is at 60%. Okay, that's good. So what what's more important? I mean, what's what's a better stat? Sixty percent to get two points, or eighty-seven yeah. percent to, to get one, one point. Right. I mean, that's pretty even, I would think. I just, I'm not. And to answer your original question, they probably believe what they're saying, but even if they don't, what else are you going to say four days before Absolutely. playoff? Absolutely. And that's I, like, I'm not so yeah. concerned about what they're saying. I'm yeah. concerned more what they're saying when we're not around. 
That's yeah. what I'm trying to get to. I hate Jerry, Jerry doesn't hold back. Yeah, and no. Jerry's been pretty right. candid about yeah, it. Um I don't like the idea of switching up like fundamental things about who I am before a playoff game. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. maybe he's going to miss an extra point. That, and that's what I said. Maybe and I'm not I'm not excusing it, but this is just the situation that you're in. Maybe he's going to miss an extra point. But when we need a 46-yarder with four minutes to play in the fourth that's going to extend the lead or tie the game or whatever, he's made those. Ironically, I feel better about those situations yeah. than I do about an extra point, yes, to be honest with you. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I feel if he lines up for like a must-have kick on Sunday, I'm very confident that he'll make it. Me too. I'm also pretty confident he's going to miss something that I don't think he should miss at some point. <laughs> it is what it is. But I still... I just it it it's like you know like you run races like you get into like a rhythm you've done something a certain way like you don't want to switch up while you're standing on the starting line on race day you just it's you've you've come too far and maybe maybe they should have done something earlier in the season but they didn't and now they're here and I think you just got to stay the course. Well, I was trying to find the quote from Fossil. I can't ever say his name. Fossil? Fossil? Mm-hmm. Fossil. Um, where he talked about him earlier this week and basically saying, yeah, they have full confidence in him, but that it is kind of partially mental and like psychological. And he did say that they're trying to work on something with him to help yeah. him out. But I'm like, how do you actually help a psychological part of things you know like how do well, you what do you do to actually help it? and yeah. and if anything if it is something that would help him out i mean you would think they've been doing that the past months right. and clearly hasn't necessarily helped him out unless he would have maybe missed even more than i went I back I, I went back and listened to that and it was almost ominous because he was like we're gonna we're gonna try something this week that might be able to help him out with that and then <laughs> they they asked what it was and he was like well if it doesn't work, I'll tell you about it on Monday next week when we talk to you again. I was just like, what are you going to do? Like, threaten well, him? Or like, <laughs> you know, are you going to like... work, they won't be talking to us next week. You Monday. either make this kick. No, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> or like, you know, like, oh, we're, we're docking your pay for every miss in practice or something. I don't like, it just sounded kind of like a threat almost. Well, like, know, oh, we got something for Greg this week. That is the crazy part about this thing. And this is in sports in general these days. Like, they got sports psychologists. Every team has sports psychologists. And guys have sports psychologists on their own. I mean, it is, it is, there is a mental side to sports and to competition and to performance. And so, yeah, I mean, I I would assume at this point they're probably trying anything they can try, especially a thing like this where this is clearly not a physical thing. Like, this guy will kick a 50-something yarder and you feel pretty good about it and he's out out down trying to kick an extra point and, and that's where you're worried. Like, that is a mental issue. Like, that's something going on psychological. And so it, then it just it's a matter of can you figure out what the psychological thing is and, and try to fix it. It's not as simple as just fixing a mechanical thing. I'll though, tell right? you what I would do. What's that? Not a damn thing. <laughs> I wouldn't do a damn thing. Just kick the ball. Don't talk to him about it or anything. He knows. Okay. It's, like, it's just like basketball and you shoot free throws. You got a good free throw shooter. You go into a little bit of a slump here and there, and just got to keep shooting, got to keep shooting, got to get back into that rhythm. Don't talk about it. 
You don't, I mean, does anyone go up to a guy pitching a no hitter in the seventh inning and go, and you're really spinning it today? You know, you got a no hitter. You don't talk about it. Just, just go. He knows. He knows the deal. Let him go kick. That, on the offset, like, I wonder, do you go up to a pitcher in the third when he's given up four runs and you're like, man, you can't find the zone today? <laughs> like, your curveball sucks today. Where is that? Where is it? Sports psychologist. Yeah. <laughs> well, that that's just called. Yeah. You're out. Right. Yeah, well, you got nine other guys that day. You don't. I mean, we don't. You don't we have, don't have another guy. No, you yeah. don't have another gonna... guy right now. Yeah, you know. <laughs> There's no tapping the right leg. Give me the righty. No. Yeah, you just see McCarthy. That's the cool thing. Like, Harvalahu, you're yeah. out. You're That'd in. be nice, but Liram. don't have that. Oh, he's with. Oh, he's with another. No, guy. I'm Sorry. just saying. No, 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 no. I know. I know. Guy. Yeah, yeah, it would be nice, but you don't have. Don't that. get us for tampering. My bad. I don't know where he is. <laughs> I think he's with Washington. He's maybe? with someone. Yeah, he's not here. Anyway, he's not here. Sorry. Yes, he is not here. All right, we're gonna take our first break. We come back. We got Bucky Brooks. Join- Bucky Brooks joining us. He's gonna talk about the San Francisco offense versus the Dallas defense. We'll do that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. At AT and T, everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it. For turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call and teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone new and existing customers our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone, even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network is busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with... And I'm Jay Novacek, and we're both with... United Ag and Turf. Turf. The official tractor provider of the Dallas Cowboys. So, if you need a tractor to bale some hay, a mower to cut some grass, or a gator to get some chores done... Get a John Deere at United Ag and Turf. And then, let's get to work. Hey, Jay, that's my line. (laughs) Well, not today. Get to work with a John Deere tractor package that's just right for you and your budget. Visit UnitedAgandTurf.com. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbalanced attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him, it projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys, and Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com cowboys. New Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. You deserve it. I do deserve that. You deserve decadent flavor without sugar. And a day at the beach without sand getting everywhere. And a relaxing bath that your children don't interrupt. I deserve all that? It's really just a visual metaphor for Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. Everything you want, nothing you don't. A visual metaphor on the radio. I do deserve that. Dr. Pepper Zero Sugar. The zero you deserve is finally here. Back to the break. All right, Cowboy fans, head to the Pro Shop. Step up your game for the playoffs. We have white hot gear for our white. (laughs) Wow. How about we just have gear for the crowd? This is going to be a whiteout. Uh, Score some classics also like jerseys and tees and hats, plus exclusive collections and unique accessories. Visit local Dallas Cowboys Pro Shop. Go to DallasCowboys.com. Welcome back. It is the second segment of the break live at SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Nice job, Nick. Uh, let's go ahead and join. Let's go ahead and get uh, Bucky Brooks of NFL Networks to join us. We're going to talk the San Francisco offense versus the Dallas defense. And Bucky, from the moment that this matchup was announced, I think everybody looked at immediately looked at this San Francisco run uh, running game and said that that's going to be a problem. Tell me why they're so tough to defend. Yeah, so 
a problem because it's creative yet old school. It will test your discipline. It'll test your physicality and toughness. And if all 11 defenders aren't on the same page, it can make for a long day. And what Kyle Shanahan has done is he's taken the system that was created by his dad and Alex Gibbs, and he's added a few bells and whistles that makes it even harder to defend. The free snap shifting and motioning, they do that on over 70% of their plays. Mm. And so what they do is they kind of play the, the shell game with you. All right, they motion, they shift. Where's my strength call? Who's doing this? you got to be communicating. And then they hit you right in the mouth with a, a pin and pull run with guards pulling and all of that other stuff. And so for teams who have gone the route of, hey, we want to get lighter and faster to get after the passer, they basically come right at you. And for teams that are fast, um, I mean, and big and physical, they run to the edges. And for teams who are trying to hide defensive backs who don't like tackling, they run to the edges and they put wide receivers that enjoy blocking on you. And so it's an all-hands-on-deck deal that you have to defend when you have to defend their running game. Bucky, this seems like second down is probably the most important down for the Cowboys' defense here. Just just the difference of maybe getting getting them in third and long situations or something third and short or a first down to keep them playing the way they want to play. Would you agree with that? Yeah, early down situations are critical. I would back it up and say first down is, is really the key because if you can hold them to four yards or fewer on first down, then you probably force them to pass on second down, which plays to the strengths of your team. But what you don't want to do in a, be in a situation where they're living in third and twos and, and second and fours because now it's a mix down. They can run it or they can throw it because third down won't be a long yard situation. And so first down would be critical in terms of making them play behind the chain. And the thing about it is you can't just gear up to stop the run on early downs. you got to be aware of the play-action passing game, the shot zone, uh, when they do these misdirection plays and then try and raise up and throw it deep down the field. And so it's one of those games where everyone has to be on the same page. Um, you might even need to be simpler in terms of what you do in the back end to make sure that everyone is locked and loaded and you don't give up the home run play. Bucky, when you play a team with this much motion and pre-snap movement, what's the key to getting ready for that? Because, I mean, you only have so many reps in a week. I mean, is that tape study, uh, or or do you have to get out and rep it? Like, what's, what's the best way to prepare for that? Well, one, you want to simplify, right, which kind of plays to this is why they do it. They, they motion and shift you because they want you to play simple. They want to figure out what you're doing, and then they want to attack it. But from a defensive standpoint, the reason you want to simplify is you don't have enough time throughout the week to go through every conceivable shift, motion, and running play or passing play that they'll run on you. So you want something that would allow you to stay in a solid defense, something that can be communicated really quickly. Uh, you don't have people running around uh, looking like they're lost in space. Everyone sees the motion, they adjust, they bump, and then they line up and play. Um, and so you can do that playing zone. You can do that playing man. But what you don't want to do is have probably the Cheesecake Factory menu this week because it would be too much to get it in. It needs to be, I guess, what you guys talk about, Whataburg. It needs to be small. It needs to be very simple and concise. But, yeah, I wanted to ask you about the run defense. And the Cowboys run defense, you know, they're not necessarily their forte on this area. So how does that look against uh, this kind of running game that the 49ers got going on? Uh, it's tough. I mean, right now, I would tell you the, the big sun will fall on the 
uh, has to go in the heads of the defensive linemen and the linebackers. Uh, Demarcus Lawrence and those guys up front got to be able to control the gaps. Uh, Layden Vander Esch and Michael Parsons have to make sure they have great discipline in getting to their gaps. And then the overall defense has to raise up the level of physicality. Like, I can talk to you about all the X's and O's and the schematics, but it's the playoffs. Like, it really comes down to which team out hits the other team. And so the physical nature of the game has to be um, better than we've ever seen from the Cowboys this season. That's just the nature of the playoffs. So they have they got to turn it up a notch. And so this has to be a very physical smash mouth affair. And I don't know if there have been enough games on the regular season slate for us to accurately predict, like, oh, what this is going to look like for the Cowboys. But we just have to know that if they're going to win, it has to be their most physical game on the defense side of the ball. Although San Francisco has been a pretty good running the ball most of the year, they did have a game against Arizona where they only had 39 rush yards. Now, that was only on 11 carries. What did Arizona do in that game that maybe nullified that running game? Uh, teams that hit don't like to be hit. So the Arizona Cardinals hit them in the mouth in that game. Uh, the physicality from the Cardinals in that game, offensively and defensively, took them out the mix. And they were able to kind of control the game um, and play the game on their terms. Because at the time, Arizona was successfully running the football. They were dialing up pressures like crazy. And they just disrupted the running game by blitzing it. And so that is always um, a way to do it. But you just got to make sure when you blitz like the Cardinals were bringing pressure, that everyone has to make sure they hit the right gap. Mm -hmm. Because when you run uh, a gap scheme like the the 49ers run, because they've gone away a little bit from the zone scheme, what they do is they're trying to get one defender out of the gap they kick him out, and it ends up being a big play uh, up the gut. So it's one of those things where you got to bring pressure. You can't just sit back and play like toy soldiers. you got to bring it. And I'm not going to make them out to be a team that can't be defeated. They obviously have like seven or so losses on their record. But you just got to be ready for it. you got to hit them in the mouth. you got to make the game be one that Jimmy Garoppolo has to win the game. It can't be a game where they're comfortable and able to run the football the way they want to run it. Have you seen Dan Quinn do, do that with this defense, call that kind of game? Uh, they haven't really had to do that. You know, like um, the Eagles were a running team, but like the first game they played them, they weren't quite in that mode. And then the second game, like it was the JV team. So we really haven't seen that. But their running game would be comparable to the way the Eagles successfully started running the ball at the end of the year with the quarterback running some read runs. They're doing some creative things. Uh, no, they haven't had to dial up the pressure. And initially, I wouldn't expect them to dial up pressure. I think they're trying to play, play it in their base trying to stay conservative and play the way they played all year, but then they have to dial it up and they have to dial it up. The main thing is they got to win first down. they got to get them behind the chain so they can dictate the terms. It has to be a Jimmy Garoppolo game. It can't be an Elijah Mitchell and Debo Samuel game where they're running the ball and having it on their terms. Bucky, I, Debo Samuel and George Kittle get a lot of attention, and rightfully so. Can you tell me a little bit about Brandon Ayuk? Because it seems like he's um, kind of breaking out a little bit, and and I feel like he's flying under the radar. Yeah, he's out of the doghouse now. Uh, <laughs> he was in the doghouse early in the year. Uh, he and Kyle Shanahan were on different pages in terms of just the way that Brandon Ayuk was playing and performing, the effort that he was displaying, not only as a receiver, but also in the running game. So he got on board. And what the 49ers have done, and, I, and I've said this going back to those draft years, they basically are playing a wing T type system, right? Where they have a bunch of wide receivers that are like wing backs that can touch the ball, they can run it, they can catch it, they can run after the catch. They have versatile athletes like Kittle and George 
Utrecht that are able to do a bunch of different things. And their game, outside of the run, is all catch-and-run concepts. They want to get the ball to the hands of the playmakers, and their playmakers can scoop. All of those guys have, like, pump return skills in the background, so they're physical, they break arm tackles, and they're hard to get down. And so Ayuk is a guy at Arizona State who is dominant and disrupt dynamic with the ball in his hands, and he's continued to be that kind of playmaker when, gotten, when he's gotten chances. Are you expecting the Cowboys to be able to get some takeaways against this type of offense? Yes, if they can win first down and make Jimmy Garoppolo do it. Because if they can put the game on Jimmy Garoppolo, he's guaranteed to give you at least two because that's what he does. They are undefeated when Jimmy Garoppolo does not have a turnover in the game. Their record is lopsided when he turns it over. The reason they've been able to prevent him from turning it over is because Kyle Shanahan talked about this. When they get to the 30-plus mark in rushing attempts, the game is going the way they want it because they do not want to expose Jimmy Garoppolo as a passer, meaning making him throw off traditional drop-back passes without using play action. And so you have to stop the run and make them get into a shootout-type game where he has to throw without play action and everyone in the building knows that he's throwing because he's going to miss and he's going to throw it to the other team. That's what he's done. That's what he's always done, and that's who Jimmy Garoppolo is. All right, we appreciate it. That's good stuff, Bucky. We'll have you back tomorrow. We'll talk about the San Francisco defense versus the Dallas offense. We're going to take our final break, come back, ask these guys some questions about this Dallas defense. We'll be right back. This is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. At AT&T, everyone, new and existing customers, get our best deals on every smartphone. Why? Because you deserve it, for turning your living room into your office and your gym. For teaching grandma how to video call and teaching her again. It's the button on your left, Nana. Okay, your other left. It's not complicated. Everyone deserves something new. So AT&T has given everyone new and existing customers our best deals with every unlimited plan on every smartphone, even the latest ones. AT&T may temporarily slow data speeds if the network's busy. Restrictions and exceptions may apply. Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with... And I'm Jay Novacek. And we're both with... United, United Ag, Ag and Turf. Turf. The official tractor provider of the Dallas Cowboys. So, if you need a tractor to bale some hay, a mower to cut some grass, or a gator to get some chores done... Get a John Deere at United Ag and Turf. And then, let's get to work. Hey, Jay, that's my line. <laughs> well, not today. Get to work with a John Deere tractor package that's just right for you and your budget. Visit UnitedAgandTurf.com. Before there was a draft, you could size up a cowboy by three simple factors. The crease in his hat, the bend of his brim, and his unbending attitude. A man Stetson didn't just protect him from what life threw at him. It projected a rugged, unstoppable spirit. Stetson hats are still American-made with pride right here in Texas. They're still the unofficial crown of all self-respecting cowboys. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Find a retailer nearest you at stetson.com slash cowboys. Back to the break. All right, we talked about it before. Get ready to white out AT&T Stadium. Cheer for the Cowboys on to victory Sunday, January 16th against the 49ers. Wear white. All white. 
Let's go. That's it. Let's go. Pants, shirt, hat. The whole nine. Everything. Socks. Undies, underwear. Everything. Look like a painter. <laughs> like a painter. <laughs> That's, I was thinking like there. that makes me think of like a P. Diddy music video, I think, from like the 90s or something. I don't I remember. Know. I don't know. It sounds kind of familiar, but yeah. I don't, I don't I know if remember I remember. some people wearing it and I'm just like, are you, like they were about to like tee off at the British Open or something like that. <laughs> just with white pants and white, you know, yeah. going to Wimbledon. I don't know. It'll be fun. All right, let's get into it. we got a final segment. i got a few questions for you guys about this uh, Dallas defense and this matchup against San Francisco. Let's start first with this. Uh, when Dallas's run defense has struggled this year, what did you think was the biggest problem? Because I think there have been some games, Denver, maybe the second Philadelphia game, depending on how you look at that. I look at that as that first half. They were having some struggles there against what it wasn't even the starting yeah, uh, unit for for Parsons was terrible in that game. Well, of course he wasn't there, and and so I guess what I'm asking is in the games where they have struggled, New England might have been another. What do you think was was the biggest challenge? In Denver, they didn't tackle. They, they they did not tackle very well. They didn't look like they played the game like they were very interested. I don't know if that was the case, but they didn't seem like it, and they didn't tackle like it. And they let guys that are you know rookie back, who's a good player, Javante Williams, but they they let him you know turned into Jim Brown. So uh, they didn't tackle well. And there was a lot of plays in that game that I remember specifically. We talk about first down a lot. There was a – how many times in that Denver game was it like second and 12, second mm-hmm. and 13? And they would get like 9, 10 yards and totally change it. They're trying to get Teddy Bridgewater to throw it on third and 12, and it wasn't happening. They were getting first downs or third and short. Same type of thing here. I compare this game a lot to the 49ers, to, to the Bronco game. Quarterbacks about the same. You don't you don't want to give them a lot of room because they might you know. But the more that they throw, the better it might be for you. Just don't put them in favorable situations. Another one probably worth mentioning is the Saints game. Mm. I yep. mean, they pulled away, but Taysom Hill ran all over them. That's obviously a little bit different, but I do think the edge factor is part of it. Like they didn't play with an edge against Denver, and I think like to Bucky's point, and I don't think that'll be a problem in a playoff game. But like you got to come ready to sign up to just get bashed and bash back, you know, for for 60 – God, that sounds like such a cliche. For 60 minutes, though, like every play. And so I, I don't worry about that in a playoff game. But also gap integrity. The, the stuff with the motion is really tricky. I think at times uh, some of these guys – this defense has been caught out of position by stuff like that. Again, going back to Taysom Hill, when you can scheme up stuff like that um, – yeah, that that has been a problem for them when teams have been able to run the ball. The thing about what the 49ers did, you know, and I, I watched them more than I – you know, that, that game, I saw the game, and I hadn't watched them play a lot. Like, I don't know if it's changed over the years, but I guarantee you Shanahan has figured out exactly how to call those or how to run those plays that they don't get a false start. Because if you notice, they have put their guy in motion like right before the snap. It it almost looks like a false start, like mm-hmm. he moves early. I did notice that on a couple plays, you know, and that's I don't the fullback's name. I don't even know how juice check. Juice check. I mean, he's he's not even a fullback. You can call him that. He's everything. He yeah. and he he dictates a lot of things, but he is moving a half a second before the snap, and it's legal. It's a legal play. They've got it's got to be legal. It's just like he goes in motion. No one says how long you go in motion for. He goes. He doesn't go in motion for two seconds. It's just. Motion and then snap, yeah, and and it really gives them a running start, and so it's it's a crafty way that they figured it out. This is actually going back to the a conversation we've been having all year, and I want I want Micah rushing the passer in as an element of every game he plays, but I I think this is probably a game where he's more valuable off the ball to them because again. 
gap integrity, like having the not just the instincts, but the speed to be where you're supposed to be, and then the physicality to make the play when you get there. And I think probably because he's a conservative uh, converted safety, I think Keanu Neal has had times where he he didn't have the physicality to do that, broken tackles and whatnot. And I think Leighton Vanderesh isn't as quick to the ball as he as the guy we saw when he was younger. He's been they've both been solid this season, but we know what elite off ball linebacker play looks like and that hasn't been it. And Micah has that potential to, you know, the classic idea of Sean Lee of knowing where the ball's going the minute it's snapped, getting there and making the play. I think that would be very valuable against the type of football San Francisco likes to play. Yeah, I think you mentioned two things there that that jumped out at me. First was when you're talking about Taysom Hill, one thing to note, they do line Debo Debo Samuels up in the backfield to Mm -hmm. get direct snaps sometimes. So that could be something that they look at and say, hey, Cowboys had some trouble stopping Taysom Hill in those situations where he was getting the direct snap and running. Maybe that's something that we see this weekend with Debo Samuels. But the other thing, uh, you talked about Micah Parsons, and I look at that and I – in that Arizona game, one thing they did with Micah is they kind of had him tracking on a lot of plays. They had him tracking Carlos Edmonds. I wonder if the Cowboys will look at this game and look at him very similar to that and say, we're going to have him track whoever's in the backfield, whether that's Elijah Mitchell. If Debo's in the backfield, track Debo. Kind of keep him with whoever's in the backfield. and Because you don't have to worry about a running quarterback like you did against Arizona. I was a little bit, like in those situations against Arizona, I was a little bit like, I don't know if I would have done that no. when you got a running quarterback. But they did it a lot in that game, and he did a good job on Carlos Edmonds. It does make Chase. me think. Chase. I'm Chase Edmonds. I'm Chase, Chase Edmonds. I'm sorry. I do think that that is a, a strategy that maybe is worth looking at for a game like this. Maybe with Dito, Debo Samuel, but I mean, I think, honestly, I think that was a bad decision against the Cardinals. Right. Like, oh, you. You took out Chase Edmonds with Micah Parsons. Win. I mean, that, that he's not the guy that makes it go all the time. Oh no, him. you nullified our right. you right. nullified right. our running back. No, no. I mean, I think <laughs> Micah Parsons needs to be the one dictating everything. I don't. I don't want him following Debo Samuel all the time. I want him getting after Jimmy Garoppolo's ass. That's what I want him doing all the time. And so um, I get the spy part of it too. Jaylon Curse has got to be a huge in this game for the Kittle. And just the way he plays. And number 55, like I said this on the radio this morning, and I never have said this about any player ever because it doesn't any sport, you don't say this. I need rookie year Van Der Esch this week. Rookie season, Layton. That sounds weird, but I need that guy. Yeah. The hunter. He, he to me, this is, this is his game. the X factor in this game, yeah. mainly because – Against the running team, I think when they've struggled, I asked you guys that question earlier, I think when they've struggled against the run, Mm -hmm. I think primarily you've had issues at linebacker. And I think he's been a part of that. And I I just wonder, like, this is a game where he's going to have to show up and really play an outstanding game, getting in the right gaps where he needs to be and not getting washed out of place because that happens quite a bit with him. Which is and I agree, but they both do. Neil and, and Leighton both have to have nice games, but I would like Parsons to help with that. Right. Yeah. Uh, I just, I mean, again, I want him to do a little bit of everything always, but I think I'm content to try to let the the front four get after Garoppolo. Like it's we it's, too, yeah. it's you know? weird to be talking about an NFL football game in 2022 where I'm more worried about what they can do with the run than the pass. I'm just like. I can, you know, I'll live and die with making Jimmy make those plays. You know, and you say, you say Jimmy, you're talking about Garoppolo, but I think of Jimmy Johnson. I remember when he first got here, 
Um, and and the big talk was you can't play college football in the NFL, especially in the NFC East, because Jimmy Johnson wanted quick, fast defenders, undersized, you know, a little bit, um, but but they they fly to the ball. And here's a here's a good example of that. You know, Keanu Neal's a converted safety. Micah Parsons, yes, he's a linebacker. He's he's not the biggest. You know, Van Der Esch is. You know, those guys have been knocked back before. J. Ron Curse is a converted safety that plays up there close to the line. Big boys, try, you know, blocking. If it gets hat on a hat, the Cowboys could be in trouble. The the thing is, they've got to be quicker to the ball. They got to use that speed, and it worked in those teams in the '90s. And they kind of changed the game a little bit. But but I th- I just wonder, like, this is going to be speed versus power. And if and if they don't get there and utilize their speed, and they take on these blocks head on. It could be it could be a long day. I do also th- and completely agreed. I think it's worth mentioning as well. They're so good at yards after catch, and that's been. Not, I mean, we're talking about issues for this defense, that's been a theme as well. Going back, the Saints game I just talked about, seventy yard catch and run. Um, you've seen stuff like that across the season. DJ Moore going all the way back to Carolina, um, and again, I mean, tackling. Don't. I mean, don't let – they're going to get first downs. Don't let these guys turn six-yard catches into 25-yard gains. It, I saw both of us kind of looked at each other while Bucky was talking about how they will try to, you know, run on the outside if they think that they got a defensive back that doesn't like to tackle. Guess what? You're a little bit concerned he's, about Trayvon because that's the one part of Trayvon's yes. game that I know a lot of people give him a lot of flack about what he does in the coverage game. I'm good with that. I don't think he's a great guy when it comes to run defend, as a run defender. What do you guys think? I yeah. that yes, my eyebrows perked up and I looked at you for yeah. a very specific reason. If I mean, yeah, I find somebody else to have the yards allowed debate. I don't care. He's been fantastic in coverage, in my opinion. Um, I don't like the idea of Debo Samuel coming around left tackle with juice check out there blocking on the perimeter and like Trayvon is what's going to stop this from being a huge gain that yeah that's concerning and I'm again they have to go into this game with that mindset of like I'm going to be sore as hell tomorrow because it's just going to be that physical and I've got to make those types of plays or better yet Debo out there actually trying to block Trayvon that too and you've got Elijah Mitchell coming behind him with a use check like that's where I start wondering like they got receivers and that's just what Bucky was getting at they got receivers who like to block and they're good at it. That can be a bit of a challenge when you start talking about the perimeter run game. If Kyle Shanahan doesn't specifically have a focus on, like, number seven doesn't necessarily like to get in the mix in the run game, I, like, I guarantee you that's part of their game plan. It has to be. Yeah. He's too – like, we give him so much credit for the way that he, like, adapts to his opponents and adapts his personnel. There's no way that they haven't seen that on tape. Yeah, and that's how you're going to get him out of his game. You know, get, get him running, the, running at him – let him thinking that way, and then that's where we've kind of seen him slip up a little bit um, in coverage. You know, when he's not playing his game and and just covering guys all the time. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I think that's that's going to be. I mean, they do a lot of those reverses and things like that. It's going to, but that's where the linebackers have got to be. True, we talked about it. they got to be aware. They got to be seeing it. They got to be chasing it. They got to run. That's where the yeah. speed is going to come into play. That's where. It's just like a chess match, you know. And we talked about how sore you're going to feel the next day. I mean, the winner of this game could very easily play on Saturday. I mean, I, I think that's a possibility yeah. that, that the winner of this game is going to get a short week. Well, the interesting thing there, too, oh. is both of these teams, the team that you would probably play, I'm assuming Tampa gets the sure. win, uh, they're going to have a similar type matchup, a team that likes to yeah. mix it up and play physical. And so, 
you know, this is the playoffs. Everybody's yeah. going to everybody's going to be feeling it come Monday cuz the level of play goes up when you get you to You don't the think playoffs. anyone's going to be too tired to play, right? Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I don't. Be all right. I don't think yeah. so. I but and it's of course we're just, that would be thinking too far ahead, but Tampa plays Sunday at 1 or noon for us and yeah. then the other matchup that the Cowboys could potentially be involved with is Monday night. So at the very that least That doesn't happen on Saturday. No, but at, well, at, just at the very least, whoever they would play isn't going to have more rest than they would. Right. So, yeah, no, I think I think you I just, find your I think you can find your energy for the playoffs. I mean, because we were talking about that, like, like, and this is if the NFL wants to go AFC NFC on Saturday, AFC NFC on on Sunday, they may not. They yeah. may stick it to what it is right now and just go AFC AFC. But the thing about it is, is that you know, if 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 the Cowboys are going to play the Buccaneers, if they win and play the Buccaneers. Then, then the next game would be um, Green Bay and and obviously the winner of the four five game on Monday night. They're not putting a Monday night team on Saturday, mm-hmm. so I'm just saying if they do want to put an NFC game on Saturday, it's going to have to be the you know the B Bucks and the winner of this game. Yeah, I again the NFL problems done a lot. problems for Monday. Oh yeah, if that, they yeah, win. Yeah, that's yeah they'll have they'll be banged up and all that. And I mean it's. Like I said before, it's a fist fight. This is going to turn into a very physical game. And can the Cowboys do it? Can they hold up? That's that's the big question. Yep. As always, we appreciate you guys joining us. We'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk some San Francisco defense versus the Cowboys offense. We'll do that tomorrow. Till then, for Nick Eatman and Dave Hellman and Amber Garcia, I am Derek Eagleton. This has been The Break, live on DallasCowboys.com radio. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, guys?